morning, everybody. Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Amen. You may be seated. And also at this time, second grade children and below can dismiss to their classes. Sorry about that. Well, good morning. Huh? Oh, there you go. Thank you. It's a joy for us to be together this morning. I'm glad to be here. This is an exciting day, isn't it? It's an exciting day for for many, if not all of us, especially those who have worked and prayed and fought for a long time to see this day come to fruition with God's help, and it is a beautiful thing. You know, this is a good day for many people. This is a good day for the core group that has been working for so long to see Redemption Hill Church planted. It's a good day for the leadership of the church. It's a good day for those initial members of the church who will become the church today. But it's also a good day for the world because the world is getting what the world needs most, and the world needs another church. The world needs another voice of the gospel to make known the riches of God's grace toward people like us, and that's a beautiful thing. You know, it's not a lot unlike uh, the experience that some of you have had as parents, the delight of having your children come to Christ. And when a child in a family comes to Christ, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity for celebration. That family is gaining a, another believer, someone to share in worship and to share in God's word and to, and to make Christian memories and bonds with. But even beyond that, that day is a great day because the world is getting what the world needs. The world is getting another worshiper. And so we're grateful this morning for all that God is doing 
because he is bringing another church into the world, and that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. The world is getting brighter and brighter as more churches are planted. With every church, we rejoice. So this morning for this covenant service, I I want to invite you to turn with me in our text for this morning, which is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. And in the brief time that we have, we're going to consider just three important truths for every new church. Three important truths for every new church. Every church must be built Every church must have a proper foundation, and every church is built upon ultimate important truths. And I want to show you these three from this brief passage in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with this first one. These are truths that we need to keep in mind, we need to cling to and make part of our own DNA, our own personality in the personality of Redemption Hill Church. The first truth is this, is that the church of Jesus Christ and every local church is built on the past. The church of Jesus Christ around the world, all together, what sometimes we call the universal church, as well as all of the local churches, they are all built on the past. We live in a world that is infatuated with finding something new. There's always a constant quest to find a a new truth, a new philosophy, a new way to live, a new way to grow and change. And yet what we read in the Bible is that God is committed to old truth. He's committed to a foundation that has been established and is, is so well established by his sovereignty and by his wisdom that there is no need for anything new. The church is built upon that old truth, that lasting truth of the past. Listen to what Paul says in verses 19 and 20. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. He's telling us that every true and faithful church is built on the past. They're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, those being the initial people who received God's revelation and announced it to the world, as well as those who were eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ and were there at the beginning of the New Testament church. This church, Redemption Hill Church, to be healthy and strong and have long life must be built, must be built on the past. We as God's people have an incredible foundation that needs no updating. It needs no polishing. It needs no fixing. It needs no accessorizing. It needs nothing. And what that means is that every healthy church will never be with the times. When you look at healthy local churches, that's not the defining characteristic of them. It's not that they're keeping up with the times. It's not that they're keeping up with the sounds. It's not that they're keeping up with the ways or that they're on the cutting edge of what's going on in the world. The defining characteristic of every healthy church is that they are keeping up with the truth. They're keeping up with the foundation that has been established in the apostles and the prophets. 
This is one of the things that makes God's church distinct from the rest of the world because the rest of the world could never be satisfied with something so old, something so pat. There's always a desire to update. There's always a desire to change, to be on the cutting edge. This in particular, we notice in even popular music. If you listen to enough popular music or watch some documentaries about the history of popular music, you'll learn about something called sampling. Sampling is when in a desire to create something new, something from the old is pulled forward and updated. It's accessorized. It's built around. In fact, I found it interesting to look up and learn what is the most sampled piece of music in popular music. It's actually a very short drum beat by a group from the 1960s called the Winstons in a song called Amen Brother. It has been sampled 2,239 times. You have heard this drum beat over and over and over again on the radio, but you've never heard it in its original because the sampling always tries to add to it. It always tries to improve it. It's always on a quest for something new and something more. But that's not the way that it is with the church. The church is satisfied. The church is grounded. The church is fed and nourished on the foundation of truth in the past. I want you to see from these verses in 19 and 20 that Paul uses some interesting language, important language used in particular in the New Testament to understand what a local church is. He uses the language of construction. Do you see that there he refers to God's people as a household? He talks about them as being built together or built on a foundation. And he points out what is the ultimate source of hope and help and truth in that household, in that building. And it's the cornerstone at the end of verse 20. Every healthy, faithful local church is grounded on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Why? Because the apostles and prophets are grounded on the ultimate foundation, the ultimate cornerstone, and that is Christ Jesus himself. This is what every faithful local church is built upon. This is the value of our backward foundation that is Christ. We can be satisfied as Christians with this foundational truth of the apostles and the prophets ending our quest to find something new because this truth is what lasts. This truth is what really satisfies. Jesus Christ is the only person in the universe who can satisfy the human heart and put to end the quest. We are grateful for that. We need that. We need that in local churches like ours, especially in church plants, because we embark on a long, long journey together. It's a long journey with lots of trouble and lots of difficulty. Yes, lots of joy, but it's a long, slow path. And we need foundational truth to satisfy our hearts. Do you know what the scary reality is for many pastors? What the scary reality is sometimes for many churches? Is it the mass of churches, healthy local churches, the mass of healthy and faithful pastors will live and die in utter obscurity? They will not be known on a national scale. They will not be known on a global scale. 
They may not even be known on a statewide scale. And what's so beautiful about the gospel is that when you come to know Jesus Christ as the cornerstone of your life and you have Jesus Christ as the cornerstone of your church, you're no longer put off by that reality. You're no longer feeling like, oh, I really want to be something in the world. I, I really want our church to be known and everybody to look at us. You lose that. It fades into the background because you know where your foundation is. You know what is ultimately satisfying. Paul talks about this because he points out the kind of identity that we have as Christians and that we have as members of healthy local churches. Notice in verse 19 the way that he speaks about them. He says, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. He's talking about people who were separated from God by their sin. He's talking about people who were far away from God, who were lost out in the world without hope. And yet he says, but now you are fellow citizens with the saints. Fellow citizens who have been brought together with the saints of God's redemptive plan into the past, all built on that foundation, and he has brought us all together into one family. This becomes our identity as Christians. Our ultimate identity as Christians is that we belong to Christ, and by belonging to Christ, we belong to one another. That's why I think that language that he uses is so important, the language of household. It has everything to do with the way that we view ourselves. It has everything to do with the way that we view our churches. I don't think it's a lot unlike kids on a playground. I remember being young on the playground and being pulled in, in every direction by different groups of kids of who I was going to fit in, who was I going to be. And in the background of my mind and heart was always running this identity of my family, of what my family would stand for, of what my, my family would value. And when all of those pulls came, I always had that running. That was the ultimate identity. We have that same experience as Christians, don't we? We have an identity in Christ, and yet the world wants to pull us in different directions. The world sometimes wants to pull our church in different directions. And yet what we have is a beautiful reality that our ultimate identity is in Christ, and that identity is secure. As a new church begins this morning, we must remember that membership among a group of Christ's people is the most important identity that we can have. We are becoming part of a household, those who belong to a local church. And for those who are joining the church this morning, I give you this charge, this challenge, as the initial members know what you're doing. This morning, as you read together the, the church covenant, the covenant of commitments that you're making to one another, know what you're doing. You're not simply joining a, an organization. You're not simply becoming part of a, a group that meets on Sunday morning. You are becoming part of a household. You're becoming members of one another. And I can tell you this, Redemption Hill Church will only be as strong as the identity of its household. Without that common bond, without that view of the way the Bible puts it, being brothers and sisters in Christ, no church can survive in this world. But that is what we have. We have this wonderful foundation, and we do not want to take it lightly. 
But there is a valid reason why some people might consider the church built on that old foundation backward, if not actively growing in the present. That's the second truth for healthy churches today. Not only is the church built on the past, but listen to this. The church is fitted in the present. There's a present work going on. This is what keeps the world from seeing the church as archaic because they can see that God is at work in the here and now, in the present moment. Look at verse 21. Paul goes on, he says, in whom the whole building, keeping up with that building uh, construction language, is being fitted together and it is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. What is so exciting about the local church or this morning, the start of a local church? What's so exciting about the church is that it is the place where God is ultimately working out his plans. Notice that Paul says in verse 21 that the building is being fitted together. That's present tense. That reminds us that every local church, no matter it's a day old or or a hundred years old, it is a work in progress. It is an unfinished work continuing to be built by God. Paul says that this work that he's doing, God's doing, is to grow the church into a holy temple. Think about those two words. These are two key words for us to understand what Redemption Hill Church is to be. Here's the first word. It's temple. What is a temple? A temple is a dwelling place for God. That is an incredible reality that a group of people would come together and become a place where God is at work, where God is dwelling among his people. That is amazing. But then listen to this. He also refers to it as a holy temple. The word holy simply means to be set apart. It means to be sanctified. This is a reminder that we see all throughout the scriptures is that God is always doing a sanctifying work to make his chosen people holy. It doesn't happen in an instant, does it? Not in terms of our day-to-day experience of life. Of course, we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies when we come to Christ, but there is, there's a not yet progressive sanctification that's going on in our lives. But here's the shocking thought. You cannot, as one of God's people, be sanctified apart from belonging and participating in a local church. It cannot be done because it's his designed vehicle and place for this sanctifying work. This is where it happens. All of us in our respective churches, those who are joining today, our spiritual growth, mine included, will always rise and fall with our commitment and our participation in the local church. If you're joining Redemption Hill Church today, that's something else for you to keep in mind and embrace in your heart with joy. Your sanctification, your growth in holiness in Christ will rise and fall upon your commitment and participation in Redemption Hill Church. I have heard some Christians before say, and perhaps I've thought and said these things at times before, I don't need a church. I have a personal relationship with God. I don't need to join with other people. I I have a private faith. I, I worship God at home. 
But you see, friends, that just doesn't work. That's not God's design. That's not the way the sanctification works. In fact, it is impossible. Have you ever been to a Broadway show, or probably for many of us, an off-Broadway show? It's an incredible experience. I'd love to go to an actual Broadway show sometime. But the off-Broadway is, is good enough for me. But it's, it's an incredible experience, isn't it? From walking in and, and seeing all of the people gathered together, seeing the, the, the character of that theater, being in the presence of the actors who are on the stage and, and being able to, to really hear in present time what's going on and to experience the entire play together it is a kind of experience, right? Well, what if someone were to say to you, I love Broadway musicals, but I don't like going to them. I like to just stay at home and imagine them. I have more of a private love of Broadway musicals. You see, when we put it that way, of course that's absurd. Of course it doesn't work that way. That's not really what you're participating in, and that applies to the church in particular. God has designed the church as the way that his purposes are accomplished in the world. In fact, there is no other way. This is why in the Bible, we're taught so clearly about God's love for his church. It's why we read about Jesus' commitment to his church, a commitment that is, that is incredible. It is paramount We know nothing like it. Listen to these words which come up actually later in in the letter to Ephesus in chapter 5, verses 25 through 27. Listen to the way that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, talks about the church. It's in this more recognized kind of passage of Scripture that we often relate to marriage, to husbands loving their wives. But listen to the essence. Listen to the foundation upon which that is built so that you can hear why the church is so important. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Who did Jesus Christ come to give his life for? The church. He came to redeem the church. Verse 26, why? So that he might sanctify who? Her. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. The mission of Jesus Christ is church-centered. He has a vehicle. He has a people spread all around the world, gathered together in places like this, continuing to multiply and grow. And it is the place where he is doing his sanctifying work among them. If you are joining Redemption Hill Church today, it is imperative that you fit yourself together with the rest of the building. Did you hear that language? In whom the whole building being fitted together. What is being fitted together in this building? They are people. It's people being fitted together. Therefore, to belong to a healthy local church means that each of us find our place to fit. Find our place where God will use us, that we can commit ourselves and be one with each other in the local church. 
And then finally, I want you to see this truth. Paul has us thinking already forward about change. When we hear this, the church is not only built on the past, it's not only fitted in the present, but it is growing toward a glorious eternal future. Look at verse 22, our last verse for this morning. He says, in whom, in the Lord, you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. This language of building continues, and we have our eyes on the finished result in eternity future. We know that God is moving us forward to a final day of redemption. Everything that's happening in local churches now is aiming toward that day as his kingdom continues to expand as the believers in every church are are making much of the gospel, announcing the good news to everyone that they can. And all at the same time, he's growing them together and maturing them so that they are tighter and tighter and tighter as a family until one day they all come together. And in Christ, by his spirit, to the glory of the Father, they will finally reach the end of this long race. And so we're reminded that all of this church business, all of this trouble, all of this work, all of this challenge, it is all going somewhere. It's all building like music to a crescendo of fellowship with God We're obviously, obviously not there yet. But one day, we will be there. So there is here this reality of present progress leading to a final glorious state together, which we have our eyes on. That's what every healthy local church has in mind, a final day where we're all walking and moving together on this long race of the Christian life until one day we reach the end. This is a marathon of growing up into Christ. I have huge, huge respect for long-distance runners. I like to follow them on Instagram and see about their training and the races that they run. In particular, I have found certain runners very interesting, and they are the ultra-marathon runners. You know, some will run that couch to 5k that's a little more my speed some will will get all the way up maybe to a 10k maybe a half marathon maybe a marathon but these ultra runners are running way beyond a marathon sometimes 50 or 100 miles now what's so impressive to me is how they get there the only way to be able to run 50 or 100 miles is after a long period of extensive training, consistency every single day, one foot in front of the other. That's a great picture for what the local church is. The local church is not running a couch to 5K. The local church is not running a 10K or a half marathon. The church is running an ultra marathon. It is a long race to the very, very end. Listen to what we read in 1 John chapter 3 about God's love for us and about that end result that we have in mind. Where is all of this going? He says in verse 1, See how great a love the Father has given us that we would be called children of God. And in fact, we are. For this reason... 
the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, but it has not yet appeared as what we will be. We know that when he appears, that's Christ coming again, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. You see, you're getting a a picture of what the Christian life and what the church life is all about. It is about regularly, consistently, one foot in front of the other, beholding Christ. Until one day we will see him face to face and he will transform us into being like himself. That's the vision that we have for every local church. That's where we're going. That's our ultimate purpose. We want to be like him. We want to know him. We want to see him face to face. And so the last encouragement to those who are joining the church this morning is to settle in. I hope that you'll settle in for a marathon. Or as a, one author put it, a long obedience in the same direction. That's what Redemption Hill Church needs to be about. It needs to be about the long game, about the focus together built on the foundation of the past, being fitted by God's gracious work in the present, and growing toward this eternal future that God has ordained for all of those who know him and belong to him. I can think of nothing better than these three truths to take root in this new church which is beginning today. Of course, this all begins by coming to Christ. It could be that you're here with a friend or that you're not a Christian today. You've heard about the gospel some, but you need to come to Christ. I hope that today will be your day. That perhaps at the end of the service, you would talk to someone else about what it means to follow him, that you would cry out to God and ask him to give you everything that you need so that you can believe in him, so that then you could join with other believers like is happening today and to be on this marathon together to see Christ face to face and to become like him all together as his church. Well, I want to pray for us this morning and then invite Ben Echelmeyer forward as he is going to lead this new congregation that is beginning today in the reading and commitment to the church covenant. This is actually when churches begin. Churches become churches when they covenant together, when they have a common commitment to one another, believers all gathering together to become a church. I want to pray and ask God to bless this important time as Ben comes forward. Our Father, we give you thanks today because you love your church. In fact, you have given the church as a glorious bride to your son And so we want to love the church the way that you love the church. We want to be committed to the church the way you are committed to the church. We want to have endurance to run this long race together. And so it is our prayer this morning that as Redemption Hill Church begins, that these truths would take root at the very heart of those who are joining the church, becoming the church today. We have a wonderful opportunity, some of us, to become part of something unique and for the rest of us to witness something unique something that you are doing in the world. And so we pray now as we consider these covenant commitments that they would be taken seriously by us, that we would hold them in high esteem and that they would, they would rally these believers together into a local body, into a household that is being built up by you into a holy temple in the Lord as we all look together to that day when we see you face to face 
and we see you face to face together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, so 